Hey everybody, this is Nandi with the Code Name Sister Podcast. Today I've got in my virtual studio Kai Wilson. Kai, you coming to us from where? Ellenwood, Georgia. All right. And she's going to be in the studio, like I said, with, here, with me today. We're going to be hitting on a lot of topics. Ty, uh, Kai is, why did I say Ty? Why did I change your name? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, but she, uh, she comes here with a lot of experience for us, especially as far as the investment realm goes and insurance. Can you tell us just a little bit about what you do as far as insurance and some of the investments? Okay, so uh, as far as insurance, I've been in this industry. I've been with the company I'm with currently for, it will be 20 years in November. Wow. So I, I have a 20-year history with American Family Insurance. And prior to American Family, I actually still worked in risk management and typically on the insurance side. So um, yeah, a lot of, lot of various experience, different positions, even throughout the one company. So been working in insurance for 20 years. And as far as investing, I, uh, I'm kind of an incidental investor to start. Uh, my grandmother was the first one who got me investing. She bought my first stock when I was, it's very hard to say, I probably was 10 or 11 years old when she bought my first stocks for me as a child. And from there, it just kind of grew organically. Um, I was interested in what I owned. I didn't understand the stock certificate that I received for a Christmas present. As a child, it looked like a piece of paper, which is not an exciting gift to receive as a small child. Um, so I got this sheet of paper and it was pretty. It had all the emblems and the logos and it was a beautiful certificate. But I didn't understand A stock, B stock. I didn't know who Turner Broadcast System was. I had no, we didn't even have cable. She bought me Turner Broadcast stock. I was like 11, 12 years old, and we didn't even have cable TV in my house. So I didn't know, I had no idea what Turner Broadcast System was at the time. Um, but like I said, I started there, and from there, it just grew. Bonds, and then we went to just bullion, and just, you know, it, it, it blossomed from there. And you, you know, you are the second person that I have recently heard say that your grandmother bought you your first stock. And you know, for me, that's like, it caught my attention because it, it tells me that even back then, as black people, as black women, we were, for, we were looking forward, we were, we were forward looking. You know, because sometimes we hear that black people, oh, we live in the moment, you know, because tomorrow might not be promised to us. But when I hear stories like this, when, you know, with them buying stocks, back, it tells me that that's not necessarily true. There were people who were forward thinking because she knew that she wasn't buying the stock for herself. She gifted it to you. The other person that I had uh, that I heard say that it was the same thing. His grandmother uh, bought him stock, I think, in Coca-Cola back in the day and i know my grandmother had gotten like uh some bonds and stuff that she would give us and like you because it was a piece of paper we didn't understand the value of it we didn't stand, understand how valuable it was and i actually remembered uh falling like when i was in my teens falling into hard times and taking one of those bonds and cashing it because i did not understand how valuable that bond could turn out, turn out to be later on down the line. And so that was the thing for me is like, 
we're giving the, and I don't know what happened to the other ones because my grandmother had more than one for us. So I don't know if it was something that, you know, someone took when she, when she passed or whatever, because people like cleaned out the house while we were at the funeral, you know how family do, right? Uh -huh. So a yeah, lot of things disappeared. So I don't, I don't know whatever became of those, but I know that it's important. And, and that's what we're going to talk about too, as far as insurance goes, it's important when they give us things to tell us, to help us understand the value of it the value of it so that we treasure it more. And so that's what I want to talk about, even insurance. So if you can talk to us a little bit about the type of insurance, are you, or do you do underwriting or, you know, whatever, whatever type you do, if you can talk to us about it and just give us some of the important aspects, why it is important, especially for the black community, for black people. Absolutely. So currently I am a, I'm an insurance agent and I'm, I'm considered a captive insurance agent with American Family. So that means I primarily write products with the American Family label. Okay. I only sell their products typically. Um, and they are personal lines, primarily a personal lines insurance company, which means we sell homeowners, auto, renters, small and medium sized businesses, life insurance, we don't really do health anymore. A lot of companies got out of health once Obamacare came out. Um, so yeah, I just sell just basic policies for the family typically. Um, what would you know? So, you know, most insurance policies you're required to have if there's some type of financing involved. So that protects a lot of people just because if you have a mortgage, you have to have homeowner's insurance. The bank is going to require it. If you finance a vehicle, you have to have auto insurance. That's going to be required. If you drive a car on the street and you have a license plates, you have to have liability insurance to get the plates. So there's already a little bit of built-in coverage by law, but then it extends way beyond that. I mean, there's lots of additional things. And then what they're requiring you by law is really kind of ba sometimes basic. Yeah, the minimum. Um, yeah, and it's typically not always covering your best interest. It's covering the bank's best interest, or it's, it's covering the aggrieved party's best interest, not necessarily your best interest. So exactly. when I talk to people, I want to make sure, you know, people always come in and say they want what they have to have. I, I want what legally I'm required to buy. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. But I, I want to explain to people the bank is making you buy this and that is protecting their interest. Exactly. But so if one, two or three scenario happens, that coverage is not included. The bank doesn't care about it because you're the one who's going to have to pay out of your pocket. You're the one who's going to have to file bankruptcy or go to court or defend yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I understand, especially right now, it's tight times with a lot of people. Um, so money's not necessarily flowing for everybody at this time, but there are ways you can get just, you know, a little bit of money and get a little bit of extra coverage. Yeah. You know, I noticed that with auto insurance because I never get the minimum on auto insurance, but a lot of times I've taken the time to find out what's the difference in pricing. If I went with the minimum that the state requires versus if I get a higher policy, like a 100, 100, you know, something like that. And I found out that a lot of times the difference can be as little as 10 to $20 a month. You know, which I know even for somebody who's on a really tight, tight budget, that could still be a lot. But in the long term, if you were to get into an accident, that 10 to $20 extra that you're paying could be worth everything, you know, exactly. you know, and then at the same time, I, I heard what you said about the mandatory uh, insurance. But when we look at our community, 
It is the insurance that we're not required to have, but we really need to have. And that would be like life insurance. That would be, that would be one of those. I see a lot of us who rent homes that try to escape the, the you know, getting renter's insurance. And that's, I would really like to talk to you, uh, you to talk about the renter's insurance for just a moment, because so many young people move into apartments and houses for the first time. And some of them have never even known that they should have renter's insurance. So can you, if you can tell us just a little, about, a little bit about that, especially the pros of it, because we know that there are more pros and cons. The cons is you got to pay for it. I mean, right. but yeah, but the, the pros so that more of them will understand the importance of having that and life insurance. Okay, so I'll start with renter's insurance. Renter's insurance, um, Okay, so a couple things. When people move into apartments and they sign leases or rental houses, unfortunately, most people don't thoroughly read through the lease. That, that's step number one. I work in insurance and insurance is literally a contract business. Mm -hmm. So for 20 years, I've been reading contracts mm -hmm. and it may just be my personality type at this point. I read contracts for everything now, not just yeah. insurance. Any contract given to me, I'm reading the whole thing. Exactly. But um, when I start talking to people about renter's insurance. The first thing that they say is they don't need it or they don't want it or whatever. And the assumption is they don't think they're going to cause whatever possible issue may happen. Therefore, mm -hmm. because they didn't cause the issue, they think somebody else is going to pay them for it. So if the apartment complex catches on fire and they find out my unit wasn't the unit that caught the, the apartment on fire, somebody else mm -hmm. is going to pay for it. Either the apartment that caught it on fire or the people that own the apartment complex. And that's not what it says in your contract. Yeah. Your lease does not say that. Your lease clearly says we are almost never going to be liable for anything that happens to your personal possessions inside the unit. It's very exactly. rare that they cover the things inside your unit. And typically they only cover it when they send in a maintenance person to do something and the maintenance person messes something up. That's like yeah. probably the only caveat. So Let's say there's a fire, the neighbor causes it. Let's say there's a fire in another building, it jumps to your building. Let's say somebody breaks into your unit. Whatever it may be, you need renter's insurance to cover that. The apartment complex is not going to cover it. And if your neighbor doesn't have renter's insurance, they, their policy is not gonna cover it as well. They don't have a policy to cover it. So it's a very affordable policy. That's the other mm -hmm. part of it. As far as looking at property policies, homeowners, condos, renters, commercial rented properties. Renters by far is the least expensive of them. We're True. talking as low as, you know, there's a lot of factors now, but we're talking as low as $15 a month mm -hmm. up to now the up to can go really high because it depends on how much coverage you elect, but mm -hmm. average 15 to 30, $40 a month, which yep. is affordable, less than yep. your cable bill. Um, so yeah, and then things people don't realize that also come with the renter's insurance, other than just covering your contents, especially in apartment buildings. You see the fire happens at the apartment building, Red Cross comes in, finds these people emergency housing, relatives come and they, they go to grandma's house, auntie's house, whatever. With yep. renter's insurance, it comes with a clause called loss of use, which uh -huh. means you are displaced from the property for whatever reason, they are going to let you live. They're going to pay for you to go to a hotel if it's short term, 
to go mm -hmm. to an extended stay if it's a longer term, to go to mm -hmm. another apartment building or rent another house, uh, have somebody who had extensive damage and they actually rented another house for this person because they anticipated wow. a year before they get back into the property. Um, so, but it, wow. it covers all of that. So any additional expenses you would have above what you were paying in the, the rental space, it will cover that. The other big thing that it covers is liability. Now, we don't see a lot of property liability claims that come through, but if you have one, it's very costly. So liability meaning, um, let's see, you know, dog bites, those, those are ones we see often. So you have some type of pet, the pet injures somebody on the property or in your property, um, uh -huh. you end up getting sued, it would cover your legal fees. So it covers the legal fees as well as the judgment against you if you're, if you're um, hit with the judgment. So to cover mm -hmm. both of those. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very good policy to have. It's very affordable. Nowadays, a lot, a, a lot of landlords and apartment complexes are requiring it. It's becoming more common now. So just like the homeowner's uh -huh. insurance that's common, now if you sign a lease, a lot of uh, landlords are making you buy the, the coverage, but it's still something you should have had. It's very affordable. Now, gotcha. as far as life insurance, I don't know if you know anybody who's not going to die. I'm not aware of anybody that's not going to die. Um, I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying you're dying tomorrow, next week, or in 10 years. I don't know. But I just, I'm not aware of anybody who's not going to die. I'm pretty confident everybody's going to pass away at some point. So life insurance, that's what we see on TV a lot. Somebody's, you know, that, that's what dominates the news at this point. Somebody dies mm -hmm. by whatever cause. Mm -hmm. And we know there's got to be some type of funeral service for them. Exactly. Um, you know, life insurance to me is, it's kind of the equalizer. I'll call it the equalizer policy because it is, there's been history of all insurances with discrimination, redlining and pricing and all kinds of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And of course there've been a lot of laws put in place with that, but with life insurance, it is, it's pretty cut and dry with the pricing. Mm -hmm. Life insurance is always gonna be based on your age, your health, the mm -hmm. coverage type, your sex, and your, your personal medical health history, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're gonna look at those five things and they're gonna determine your price. And it, outside of those five things, nothing else really matters. Okay. Um, and there's not really a limit to what you can have, so there's no preset limit. You're only this old, you can get this much or you're, well, I'll take that back. When you get older, depending on policy types, there start to be limits, but that's just because you're near the life expectancy. Um, but yeah, you can buy as much as you want. You can buy it on the schedule that you want. And again, everyone's going to pass away at some point. So coverage amounts can vary. People, some people want to be buried elaborately. Some people want to be cremated. Some people want remains thrown in the ocean somewhere. That's, mm -hmm. that's going to vary, but everyone's going to need a service of some type. Mm -hmm. So um, that has been an easier sale since COVID has started, to be honest. It's unfortunate, uh -huh. but it's been an easier sale, an easier discussion since COVID has started. Um, and like I said, that's unfortunate, but I'm happy that at least mm -hmm. I have people discussing it. Because exactly. Everybody should have had something in place, at least the majority. Yeah. 
Because um, it's painful seeing GoFundMe's and, uh, you know, things like that when, when somebody passes because you know that there was absolutely no coverage. You know, even back when we were young, my mom and them, they had like these whole life policies. They were only like maybe ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000, but that was still enough that if, you know, a service or something needed to take place, they didn't have to come out of their pockets or ask the neighbors or something like that. And, but it's like, you know, at one time it was like everywhere you looked, there was a GoFundMe to bury a young person because for some reason people think, you know, it was almost like they thought that if you're young, you don't die. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not until, it's not until you're much older. Now I do have a question as far as whole life and term policies. When, uh, under what circumstances would you recommend a term life policy to someone versus a home life? And then you know, I mean, a whole life and then vice versa. Okay, so uh, two primary reasons I, I recommend term insurance. Term is less expensive. So we were just talking earlier about budgets and, you know, mm -hmm. everybody's money is not so free flowing at this time. Uh, term life will get you a lot of coverage for the least amount of money. So mm -hmm. um, that's the benefit of that. And that's good for, you know, typically younger people start younger adults because you can't buy term insurance for children. So younger adults typically will start out with term insurance, like young families mm -hmm. don't make a lot of money on your job yet. Um, I actually have a business loan and the SBA actually required insurance to cover the amount of the loan which with really? a lot of companies that's not required, but that was one of my SBA loan requirements. I have a lot of insurance, of course. So life insurance? They required you to have a life insurance policy for the amount of it? They required wow. me to assign, it's called assigning. I had to assign yeah, a life insurance policy to the bank for the loan wow. amount of my SBA loan. And an assignment means, wow. cause I already had a policy. So I had yeah. to assign it over to them. Meaning if I died, that, life insurance was going to pay the loan balance first, then it would roll exactly. over to whoever my regular beneficiary was that was listed. So if my wow. loan balance was down to 50% and they only needed 50% of it, they would have gotten their 50% and then my beneficiary would have gotten the other 50%. But yeah, that, gotcha. that's required. Um, so yeah, term insurance, cheaper, um, get more coverage. Um, gives you time to maybe build up your income to be able to afford whole life or a permanent policy. Mm -hmm. Whole life and, and the way I like to explain it to people, really quick, easy way to explain whole life or permanent versus term. We just talked about homes and renters or home, owning a home and renting. Term life insurance is like renting, okay? When you rent an apartment, you rent a house or whatever, you sign a lease. The mm -hmm. lease says you're going to live here for this set amount of time. You're going to pay this set amount of coverage, um, this set amount of premium, and we're going to guarantee you this payment during that time. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lease. You're going to live here. We're going to guarantee you get the keys and access to this unit. And when mm -hmm. this lease is up, you're either going to re-sign a lease at probably a different price, mm -hmm. or you're going to move out and we retain all the benefit of that apartment and we can rent it out to somebody else and you just take your stuff and you leave. Okay. That's mm -hmm. term insurance. Typically it's less expensive because when you get an apartment other than the down payment, I mean, not the down payment, but other than the deposit mm -hmm. it really doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to do a lot. You, there's no appraisals. You don't do any of that. You just exactly. sign the lease, 
make a deposit and you move in. Okay. And mm -hmm. then when you leave, most of the time you get your deposit back. So then it almost costs you nothing. Well, not mm -hmm. nothing, but the rent you paid. Mm -hmm. A permanent policy, whole life, universal life, and there's a bunch of different names, but they all fall under permanent life insurance. It's similar to buying a house. Sometimes it takes a little bit more to qualify. The qualifications could be a little bit different. Um, you're going to pay more money. It's going to cost you more to get into it. Mm -hmm. um, it's more expensive. Also, you gain cash value. So just like when you buy a house, if your house appreciates, you get that equity in the home because you own the home. So the equity also belongs to you. Mm -hmm. As long as you make the payment to the bank, you keep that home. You keep the equity and all the benefits of the home. If you want to sell the home, you can sell the home, you can take the equity or the cash value back out of the life policy. So you actually can get a return on a permanent or a whole life policy because you have equity in it. You were paying more money, you adhere to the rules, but it was an ownership policy. Mm -hmm. And you're allowed to keep that policy until you say you don't want it anymore. So if you wanna keep it your entire life up to age, you know, our policies are written up to age 100. You don't have to pay for them anymore. But it's at, if you live to 100, you just own the policy. Or if you want to stop paying at whatever age, but it doesn't matter. As long as you make the payment, you own the policy and you kind of, you call the shots per se on a whole life policy. Whereas, like I said, at the end of a term, you did a 10 year term policy. At the end of the 10 year term, that policy is going to disappear. Your company will contact you prior to the 10 years. A lot of them have conversion privileges where you convert it. You may have a renewal privilege where you can renew it into another 10 years at a different price. So there's options, but they'll typically, unless you have a return of premium term policy, you don't get anything back out of it. Gotcha. And I have a question at about what age would you suggest people start looking into whole life policy? So the younger, the better, because all life insurance policies are based on your age gotcha. and all life insurance policies are based, based on your health. Some, sometimes I've seen people that actually become healthier as they get older. So that does happen. Some people have childhood okay. illnesses that, you know, asthma, mm -hmm. some people have childhood mm -hmm. asthma and then they don't have it as an adult. Gotcha. Whatever you are suffering with at that time or have suffered with recently will probably be accounted for on your policy. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but typically most people are born healthier and as mm -hmm. you mature in age, you start developing the health risks. So if exactly. you can, the smarter thing is to buy it the younger you are because you're going to get the better pricing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. The older you get, the more expensive it's going to be. The younger you buy it, the less expensive. Okay. And you know, I have a question for you. My nephew passed in February. He was 27. And like I told you, my mom had taken out a lot of whole life policies on all of us, you know, from the time we were born. And my sister was like contacted by them. My sister had no idea that the policy even existed. And she was contacted by the insurance company to let her know that they had received a notification of his death and they were going to pay out the policy once she sent them a copy of the death certificate. Mm -hmm. And that policy was one that she had, I guess, paid it out years, years before or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. First of all, I had no idea that the insurance companies do these checks where they try to find family members of people who are deceased in case you did not know. But at the same token, I learned from that, that whole life policies, there comes a point where they can be paid out. And when you talked to, when you spoke about that just now, it just, 
it brought that to my mind because I had not known before that whole life policies at some point can be paid out. Is that with all whole life policies or just some of them? It's hard. I've only been selling for one company, so it's hard for me to completely generalize, but mm -hmm. all whole life policies should have some type of cash value to them. That's okay. the point of whole life is that you're paying more into it. It's paying um, on whole life, traditional whole life, they pay dividends. So um, with the dividends, that's kind of where you get the cash. Now there's different ways those dividends can be paid out to you. Uh, policies kind of similar to stock. You can save mm -hmm. the dividends on my whole life policy. I want to mail to me in a check. So just like I take dividends on my TBS stock, they send me a yeah. check every quarter from, well, it's not even TBS anymore, but they send me a, a check every quarter. You can uh -huh. do this whole life insurance with certain companies. You can say, I want my dividends mailed to me, which means my policy is not going to be gaining cash value because I'm cashing it out every quarter. Uh -huh. And it's not mm -hmm. going to increase in value. So it's not going to go from 10000 to 11000 to 12000 Because if you reinvest the dividends, that's mm -hmm. when the policy value can increase. So you okay. could have bought it as, as a $10,000 policy. But if you are saying reinvest my dividends every month or every quarter, then it's adding to the mm -hmm. value of the policy. So they, yeah. all, they all have a cash value uh, benefit to them. But mm -hmm. it's it's which one you selected when you wrote the policy or it's either which one that company only offers because some companies may only offer certain things you can do with their dividends. Okay, so it's going to be up to the company. But yeah, there is a cash value in there somehow. It's mm -hmm. just received on policies differently. And yes, that's very true yeah. with insurance. They do run names. I, I don't know what the system looks like, but they do run names through some type of system where they can pick up uh, uh, public death certificate notices and cities. I, you know, I don't know what this database looks like, but they are mm -hmm. able sometimes to find out that people are deceased. And by federal law, they mm -hmm. are required to do that on a schedule. I don't know what the schedule is, but life insurance companies are required by law to mm -hmm. every periodically, whatever the schedule is, they are required to try to find deceased people that are still mm -hmm. on their books. Now, I'll give you a really funny story. Mm -hmm. I've been in my house now for almost, it'll be four years on September 30th that I've owned this house. Okay. Still get mail for my, for the previous owner. She's been gone at least four years. Mm -hmm. uh, this week, two days ago, I accidentally received a uh, life insurance packet for her that was from a deceased person. Wow. Uh, an attorney's office, you know, I don't know how, what happened. I, I called the attorney's office basically to let them know that she's not there. Mm -hmm. I sent all the paperwork back to them, but yeah, mm -hmm. they find, they did a skip trace on her or whatever they had to do. This was her last known address. They sent it. It was about life insurance. I sell. So I know what I'm looking at. Um, yeah. They're trying to kind of, you know, find her. Yeah. And so they're required to not only run it through and try to find out if somebody who was living is no longer living. Mm -hmm. They also have to do the same thing to try to find beneficiaries. If they're holding wow. money for somebody, they got to do the best of their ability to find these people and try to get them payouts. They run those unclaimed, what is that, when they run it in the county? Oh, yeah, yeah, the unclaimed fund things. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. things. They yeah. got to run all that stuff and try to find people. So, yeah. They, and, they, see, and that's what they had to do in this case because my mom, I'm sure, was listed as the beneficiary and she's deceased. Right. So, 
when my sister got the, I think it was a letter she first received and she thought it was a scam at first until she called and she verified that, you know, yeah, this is actually the insurance company and there is a policy sitting here and it can be cashed out as soon as you send us the evidence of, of his death. Now, where they got their information, I don't know if it's from when the coroners or whoever, the medical examiners put it in the system because, you know, they, when they contacted her, it was before she actually had the death certificate, before it had even been issued. So that was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, I don't know, I don't know how they, I don't know if it's because the social, it's reported to Social Security Administration real quick. Probably. Or, or, With or things it, being so digital, digitized at this point. Yeah, it's not difficult to find information like it would have been. Yeah, so I'm sorry to hear about your nephew. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it was it was really it was really unexpected. And you know, it's been like some some days and moments and stuff are good. And then others is just like, you know, and and I think it's always worse when they're so young. You know, yeah. because again, we know that people die every day, but you know, you never want to think about, you know, losing a child or a nephew or, you know, someone young like that, you know, that you care about. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, that part has been pretty rough, you know, for everybody, especially his, you know, he has a twin oh, uh, for him and then their older brother, cause they, the three of them were just like, you know, they may as well have been triplets. I mean, right. you know, that's, that's the type of relationship that the three of them had as brothers. So, I mean, so it's like a piece is missing, yeah. uh, you, you know, but like I said, I, I learned a whole lot about the, the whole life uh, policy thing when that happened, because I'm, 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 my thinking is like when somebody's gone and they're longer, no longer paying, I thought that the insurance just, you know, eventually just cancels out, you know? No, so you can do different payment plans on your life insurance. So mm-hmm. the, the whole life policies that I own for myself and for my daughter, I opted mm-hmm. on all of ours to do at the time, there was a 10, 10 year payment option, which gotcha. means like buying a car, you finance mm-hmm. a car. Do you want the 36 month, the 48 month, the 60 month? It was, we had the same thing on whole life. You can mm-hmm. finance it over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. There's different payment options. And then gotcha. once you complete your payment option, like buying the house again in the car, you, you purchased mm-hmm. it. So you made the yeah. payments over the agreed time. Once it ends, you keep the coverage, you keep the value of it, the death benefit, the cash value. It's all mm-hmm. yours, but you make no more payments. So I'm guessing that's what my mom had. I'm, I'm thinking she had a lot of 10-year policies on everybody. And I'm sure that there's one out there on me because I remember seeing it in some of her paperwork and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's one out there that's paid out and stuff too. But I mean, again, we have to go back to a lot of our people were forward thinking, you know? And so when I see so many of our younger people today, it seems like, you know, when it comes to the insurance, I don't know if it's because again, they're not seeing it at home or when our people were doing it, they didn't express the importance of it. Cause you know, back in the day, it was actually an embarrassment for our parents. Like if say someone passed their mother, their father, a brother or sister, and they didn't have the means to bury them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, so, so, and you know, that's the way I always heard it expressed with my mother and them. That's why me buying insurance was like a really important thing. You know, from the moment I was old enough to, to buy my own policy, I did that because I would all, you know, I hear the older people talking and if they, even if everybody put money in the pot to help bury somebody, they were still whispering, like, why didn't they have insurance? Yeah. You know, so it was important, but, but the younger generation, it's almost like, you know, you see a GoFundMe and they're just like, you know, well, we're going to let someone else take on that burden 
you know, and, and I'm always it, appalled now because it's, yes. it's almost in their like financial plan. If something happens, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I am shocked these days and, and Nandi, we're about the same age. Mm -hmm. I am shocked these days. How many people say they're having a birthday and they just throw their cash up up there, cash yes. at me some money or my kid is going to college, you know, whatever it is, like asking people to fund your thing that yep. literally is your, you know, for a birthday. Okay. Maybe that's a gift. Yeah, but yeah. help find yeah, we used to college. Spend money, you know since we can't do that anymore you know the, you know in louisiana i know they used to pin money all over your clothes on your birthday mm -hmm. so that was like cash app but in person right right <laughs> well and then you're talking to your you're talking to the people that probably really like you or love you exactly. and have taken the time to come to your birthday to celebrate exactly. you but exactly. when you put it on social media and you got 5,000 friends and you only know maybe 500 of them yeah. or a thousand and you're only close to a hundred of them, but you put on a cash, you know, a, a post of 5,000 people to send me whatever you want to send me as a gift. I'm just, I, I don't know. And I, then you get never, mad. I saw one recently where the person was actually upset because she said only two people sent her cash out. Oh my goodness said so she said that's how you find out who your friends are and i'm like no. you got to be a friend to, to to have friends and that's not a friend statement that that's not a friend statement no. <laughs> and like i said i'm trying to take it back from the the birthday okay it, well she kind of yeah. proves that point though she had an expectation to receive something yeah. i'm thinking if yeah. you do it on, on a social media you're just going to be thankful for whatever you get you're not having an yeah. expectation but it or is it's just for fun yeah, no, you're not even serious. <laughs> but it's irritating to know you did not take care of your financial responsibilities because exactly. you knew you were going to die like everybody on earth is going to die. That's you knew right. it was going to happen and you took no prep, did no preparation, yep. no pro and but then you want your yep. burial now is planned to be funded by GoFundMe or exactly. Cash App or whatever. Exactly. Just, you know. Yeah. I work in this it, industry, so I guess that is a really hard thing for me to accept because I just know how much it really cost. I know how yeah. easily it could have been attained. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, but yeah, that, that no. cash. No, I look at it the funny. same way, even with auto insurance. I always say the uh, quickest way to have a car accident is to not have insurance. No, no, because there's two ways. Two, no, there's the, you only that you cover one. Teach me the other one. Teach me the other one. <laughs> the quickest two ways, and I know this for sure because I work in this industry. Either don't have insurance, you're definitely going to have an accident coming up quickly. That's right. <laughs> or within the first 30 days, you drove off the lot of that brand new car. That's Those right. One of the two. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Matter of fact, when I the last I have a uh the, the CRV I have. I had not had it a week and my own son hit me from the rear. How do you like that? He was following me down the street. I stopped at a stop sign and it's not safe to proceed out into the intersection. But for some reason, he thinks that I'm going to go and he slams right into the back of me in my van. He's in my van. I'm in the, in the CRV and he slams right in the back of me. I'm like, I haven't even had this damn thing a week. Yep. I'd say <laughs> that's the quickest way to have an accident. <laughs> Don't have insurance or buy a new car. It's gonna that's happen. Right. 
<laughs> so now I look like I hit it was 30 days old to the day. I had exactly. a car was exactly 30 days old. I had just under a thousand miles and I got hit. So yeah. Oh you know what and then that makes me remember when i got when i was in the military i had just came back from korea and i ordered my car custom i had it i ordered it straight from the manufacturer you know back then i don't know if you can still do that but back then you could i ordered a ford mustang Ooh. and i was and i picked it up in new orleans and we were actually heading from new or my my to be husband at the time my fiance we were heading from New Orleans to my to my hometown, which was Opelousas, to see my mom, and a drunk driver hit us head on in my brand new car, days old. Mm. So it, that proves your point. I mean, <laughs> I've had like this has happened to me twice. You know, that one was worse than you know with the what happened with the Mustang. It was worse than him running in the back of me. But still, in all, I know exactly what you mean. It was like they're like a magnet for accidents. Ninety. <laughs> I, I've been in this for 20 years now. I, I, I know the patterns. <laughs> I know the patterns. I can see them before they come. I try to head people off. I try to prepare people. But yeah, not like I said in a, not too long ago in another discussion, not much scares me. Not much surprises me anymore with insurance. Exactly. Exactly. When it I, don't comes have to many, I don't have many surprises left anymore. <laughs> like try me. Right, right. When they call my phone and say, Kai, you won't believe it. I don't even get excited. I'm like, really? What is it? Sometimes I can guess because when I had the initial conversation or consultation with them and they maybe didn't go with my recommendation, I'm like, I bet I can guess what it is. But, you know, still, my job exactly. is to help them along and that's what I do. Exactly. And I tell you, I, I can guarantee you, you get a lot of people who believe in having like as much security as they ha they can around the house. They've got cameras, they've, they've got the little, you know, the, the monitors, the motion sensors and all of that stuff like that, but they don't have insurance. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they go out, they go all out on the technology aspect, but they don't have insurance. So when something happens, I mean, cause those cameras are like, they're not like the police or anybody that can say, Hey, put that back, put my TV right. back, put my computer back. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, uh, people put money into what they believe in, I guess. Is that the, yes. Yes. So, you know, you can yeah. always see what's important to people by what they, what, where they put their money, exactly. where they put their money, where they put their time. Exactly. That is true. That is true. So I'm going to ask you a question. Your daughter is how old now? She is nine. We'll be turning 10 next month. And what are you doing as far as preparing her, especially when it comes to things like insurance, investing, uh, you, you know, what does that look like for you at her age? So, of course, you know, she's fully insured. Her life has been fully insured since you can buy life insurance for a child at, at 14 days old. So, of mm -hmm. course, her first policy was purchased when she was 14 days old. So, obviously, her life is insured. Um you know, I am a firm believer in investments of, of many different types. So mm -hmm. I've got, you know, I've got stuff set up for her in, in her name. Um, mm -hmm. She's obviously beneficiary of, of, of just pretty much 99% of my estate. So I've got that mm -hmm. set up for her. And at the same time, mm -hmm. I'm, I try to teach her. So we've been through, we've been over a lot of stuff. I mean, she's been here with okay. me her entire life. 
So she's been mm -hmm. around me with financial planning. She's been in meetings with other people. She's been with me when I've done seminars. But mm -hmm. uh, maybe about three months ago, four months ago, she mm -hmm. told me she didn't really understand Bitcoin, which I was like, really? You sat and heard me teach Bitcoin a thousand <laughs> times, but she's only nine. So she's been exactly. hearing this since she was five, maybe. I don't know. But what do I expect a five-year-old to remember or understand? Uh -huh. so just recently, I have actually started reteaching her at the nine-year-old level, almost 10, uh -huh. different investments again. Because now I can use different words, um, different graphics. You know, there's things now that she actually can see and understand and maybe remember more of it. I know this is not going to be the end of it. Still, gotcha. by the time she's 13, she's not going to remember something else. And so I'll have mm -hmm. to re-explain it. But yeah, so I have just recently, it was, and it was specifically Bitcoin. I was talking on the phone with somebody. I was having uh -huh. a Bitcoin conversation and she was sitting there eavesdropping like she normally does. But when I got off the phone, she was like asking me questions about Bitcoin. I didn't know that or you didn't tell me that or what was that you said or whatever. And I was like, you know all this already. You've heard this. You've heard this a million times. And she's like, no, I don't know. So I was like, okay, well, you know, her memory is only nine years old. So she just. Exactly, that's true. So now I am actively reteaching her, you know, the basics, starting her from the basics. She's, she's nine. So she does not have her own uh, cryptocurrency account. Like I said, she has, she has her own bank accounts. She's bank accounts uh -huh. in two states. Cool. Uh, She's got her own, she's got a couple of investment accounts in her name. So, you know, she, she knows finance. We, mm -hmm. when her statements come in the mail, we uh -huh. open her bank statements. We look at what they are. I teach her to show, you know, they're, they're all savings because they're up my account. So mm -hmm. on her up my account, it has to be savings and they get interest. So we open her accounts. We look at how much interest she, she gains. So she can read a bank statement pretty good. Uh -huh. Um, as far as investing, investing is a little bit harder because investing now is pretty much online. Yes. So, you know, I long ago turned in my TBS stock certificates for book value. So I don't really mm -hmm. have a stock certificate anymore that I can show her. And any stocks I've purchased since then are all, you know, book value. So they keep them on paper. I mean, they keep exactly. them on online. Yeah, online. But, um, you know, you get the proxies to vote. I get all that stuff from the, the different companies I invest in. So I, I kind of go over it with her. You know, we look through the booklets. Now, I don't even read the whole booklet. I told you I read everything. I don't read those whole booklets. Yeah. When the annual yeah. reports yeah. come. So I'm not reading those 200 pages of garbage. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. And you already know it's a lot of filler stuff to turn you off from reading the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine typically come with summary pages at the front. So it kind of mm -hmm. summarizes what is in this booklet. And yeah. if you want to turn to page 45 is go into detail. So of course I don't, I don't bother her with all that, but I, I explain it to her when they come, I explain what it is, you know, and our booklets have pictures. If we're voting for board of uh, board of directors or something, it's got pictures. It shows mm -hmm. where they come from, what companies they represent. So I try to mm -hmm. keep her, um, you know, I, 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 I want her to be in the know. And I know, even though she doesn't go to public school, I know most schools don't teach finance. Basic exactly. finance is not being taught. So investment is definitely not being taught. Where do you think, uh, when, we look, when we look back at, like I said, some of our forward thinkers back then, because we, it wasn't being taught to them back then, where do you think they got it? 
Good question. I don't, I wish I could ask my grandmother. Came to she, the stock buying and stuff, where do you, I, I, I always wonder where did they, my grandmother, I would love to ask her that. What, I, led, what influenced her to buy the bonds and stuff? I wish I knew. My, my grandmother, that grandmother passed away when I was 17. So I was still not um, as deep into investing that mm -hmm. I ever asked her. So I don't know. Um, she also used to give us savings bonds. Her sister used mm -hmm. to give us savings bonds. So I was getting savings bonds for my grandmother and my great aunt. And I was getting stocks from mm -hmm. my grandma. Um, and like I said, as a kid, I didn't like the gifts. I was always, yeah. whenever I got an envelope from them, I was not happy because it was, it was hardly ever it's cash. Like this again? Yes, it was an envelope yeah. of some type of certificate that I didn't want. I wanted new shoes. I wanted jewelry. Yeah. I wanted games. I never wanted, yeah. literally, my sister and I used to call them the stupid paper gifts. That's what we used to call them. <laughs> We got the it's like we can't even get any money from them right now, and we just we want cool sneakers. <laughs> we got stupid paper gifts, is what we used to call them. Those stocks, certificates, and bonds, and savings. They were stupid paper gifts. And we, exactly, exactly. And we throw them to the side at Christmas, and we go for the other stuff. We want, yeah. we want the stuff in the big boxes with the bows. We don't want them stupid paper gifts. So I don't know. I don't know where my grandmother, like I said, we didn't have cable TV. So talk yeah. about something that was difficult for me to under, she's trying to explain to me, first of all, a stock and I'm not yeah. getting it. Exactly. Then you're trying to explain Turner Broadcast System and we don't have cable, not at her house so or at our house. <laughs> so I don't even know what cable TV is. This is like 1984, 85, I don't know, in the 80s. I don't have a clue what's going on. I got a stupid paper certificate. Exactly. That you that want I can't me to hold eat, on to. That I can't wear, that I can't play with. You I know? don't want to take it to school and show it off. Exactly. I can't even talk about it on the school bus at the at the bus stop because I don't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. And then they then they they're so the children there, then they have the minded children, so they'd be like, ah, oh, all you got was some paper. You know, yeah. so then that's a joke. You're being made fun of, <laughs> you know, exactly. then you're in a fight and then you got to go home and get in trouble for it. And it all started because they gave you a piece of paper and an envelope, <laughs> yes. you know, so that I couldn't even hold on to. I got yeah. it as the gift. I got to open it and look at it and be upset for a while. And then they took it back from me. No, they always it, take it back. Put it in a safe place put in a file somewhere that I was never allowed to go into. Exactly. So then I got a gift that was paper that I didn't understand that then disappeared exactly. for the next 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, sometimes I wonder if they, if they picked up that knowledge by serving other people, if you know what I mean, like working in the home. Because that's what they did. And that's offices did. of white people, they heard conversations, they retained that information, and then they went out and they made those purchases. Because my grandmother even... Uh, before I was born, my grandmother used to go up to like the courthouse and buy like tax sale properties and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back when she was buying that white women couldn't go up to the courthouse and buy, you know, get things credit and stuff in their name. And she was going up there buying the property. And when I think back on that today and I look at some of the old property records, when I look at the old deeds and stuff that she had for a lot of uh, the land that we still have in the family, it's like, how did she come up on that knowledge? And I have to wonder if it was because, you know, interacting with them, she picked up that information, pocketed it, and used it to her benefit. 
uh, you know, and so she was able to acquire that land. And, when, you know, because it's nothing like seeing the deed to land with your grandmother's name on it, you know, a woman's name back then, you know, she was born in 1913. So to see something like that, that's like history, you know, because she was out there doing that when people were saying it's really hard for black people. And we know it was really hard for black people. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she was still able to do that, and even with your grandmother coming back and she had stock, she had the intelligence and the, for, the foresight, like I said, to go out there and buy stock for you for, with, uh, you know, TBS stock and, and gift you with that. I mean, so it's always been there. It's finding ways that we can continue, that we can bring that back, that we can relearn it. And we know that we've proven through those women because my grandmother only had a sixth grade education. So we know she didn't learn that in school. I'm not sure what your grandmother's education level was, but I know mine I was high school. Grade. I'm not even sure of that, but I think high school. You know, so when we look at that and we know that even in our schools, there were a lot of things that were taught in predominantly white schools that weren't covered in our school system. So then again, we look at, they went out there and they got what they needed. They came across information and they made use of it. You know, so that's an important tool. And so when I, uh, you know, I've noticed that even like a lot of us on our Facebook pages and stuff, there are people out there that are sharing a lot of that relearning information. I see you out there sharing the information as far as it goes for um, insurance. I see you talking a lot about investing. And I know that those vehicles are going to have to come through a learning process for some people and a relearning process, you know, for others and black women. And that's not saying, and it, is, it in no way negates black men, but it, it appears that black women were always, you know, because uh, again, a lot of times I hear people saying that black people live for the moment, instant gratification. Even when I was in college, there was a lot of things that said that black people were more likely to uh, live their lives based on instant gratification because they didn't have a whole lot of hope for the future. And when I see that, even when I hear black people praying and stuff like that, they're still praying for a future that a lot of times was something that was going to never come their way, like this heaven that they were told about, you know, so sacrifice, let all this stuff, this bad stuff happen to you on earth. And when you die, then you're going to go to this great place that's going to make up for all the bad things that you've been through. We might not see it as futuristic thinking, but it is. It's still a form of futuristic thinking. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, when I see you guys sharing the things that you're sharing, even when it comes to relationships, because a lot of times the relationships that we're in can delay and deny us certain things. I see so many Black people, Black women coming out of their shells once they leave uh, unhealthy uh, relationships. I'm not sure the relationship you had with you know, your daughter's father. But again, I'm seeing so much growth from you guys in terms of relationships, uh, growth, getting what you need financially, securing yourself, having access that you can pass on to, to your children, uh, recognizing the importance of having uh, insurance things that can ensure the people we leave behind that they have the things that they need to continue forward into the future. When it comes, I'm going to ask you one more thing about insurance policies. When it comes to insurance policies, especially when you have multiple children, you know, because a lot of times we hear all these fights and stuff that occur when somebody dies and there's an insurance policy and blah, blah, blah. Um, when, you've got a, when, you, when you've got more than one children, I know, I, child, I know you only have one, but you work in the insur insur insurance mm -hmm. industry. When you've got more than one child, 
is it, do you normally recommend for parents say if they want to leave policy certain percentages for each child that they do that under one policy or that there be multiple policies, you know, where you got a policy for each, how to, you know, cause I know that there can be contesting and stuff and, you know, even though they, they may still pay out to the beneficiary, but, but what is your recommendation as far as something like that goes? You know, uh, by law, the insurance company is bound to pay out whatever the policy owner put as the last beneficiary. I mean, it's a legal document. Again, I work in contracts. It's a legal document. Okay. Whatever that says is what we have to pay. The okay. only ways that it's ever contested is, um, well, you just saw that thing with Sweetie Pies. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Murders, murders, they're going to hold up beneficiary payments, okay? okay? Depending on who owned it, who the beneficiary, they're, they're, that's going to get held up for sure. Um but otherwise, there's not a lot that we can do uh, when mm -hmm. you have the only one I can imagine possibly being held up is that when you wrote the policy and you had two children, you put mm -hmm. those two as a beneficiary, and then mm -hmm. you had two more children afterward and you didn't list them. Gotcha. That one, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that one may possibly get held up in court. I've never personally been involved with a case like that. It may be, could be an issue, okay. but there's ways in policies too, that you can always say, I want to leave them to all born and unborn children, mm -hmm. which means I have born children. Now I will maybe have, I have unborn children that come mm -hmm. later. You can mm -hmm. sometimes do that. You can leave stuff to your estate, mm -hmm. which means it's going to be divided up amongst children. Again, that gets iffy because more men than other than women tend to have kids some places they didn't know about or they never admitted to or whatever. So it still gets sticky. Gotcha. Probably for the men more than the women, maybe you want to have separate policies. If you know there's possibly some other kids out there, so, you know, I don't even know how to handle these situations, but uh -huh. um, by law, we are really required to pay out to who the beneficiary is listed. We don't okay. have a lot of control over, like I said, when it's a criminal action, that's a little different. But mm -hmm. other than that, we really kind of have to pay, who, just recently, I don't know if this was in the news, but just recently, or somebody maybe brought it to me, that mm -hmm. the beneficiary was the ex-wife. The, the husband had remarried. I've seen it. I've seen those. Yeah, you see them and, and the money yeah. went to mm -hmm. the ex-wife. There's nothing exactly. the insurance company can do about it. That was the last person mm -hmm. he listed. It was his policy. He owned it. He was mm -hmm. in control of it. And that's mm -hmm. who the check went to. And if she don't keep the money, that's, <laughs> yep. it's her money. Yeah. Um, so yep. you can do different policies, even still, especially when you come with children that weren't listed at all, still mm -hmm. can possibly contest it. I don't know how strong that's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but it could but, hold it up. Yeah. Um, that's the only one I ever can think of would be children and spouses. Mm -hmm. But again, with the spouse, with that one, it, they paid the spouse. And I think with the children it is still going to be similar. I think it's going to still just pay out to the beneficiary. I think right. the only one that really, really, really will get held is when there's been a criminal behavior. Okay. And okay. That one probably will get held up. Now, question for parents of multiple children, especially those on tight budgets, and they want to insure all their children. Is that where riders come in handy for them? Can you can you attach more than one 
to, to a rider? So our company calls it the children's insurance rider. And that rider, it's, you pay one premium for it. I did a life delivery yesterday for a woman. And we're talking about all of her scenarios. So she has two born children. Mm-hmm. She's due for her third child in December. Mm-hmm. So just to negate these problems, I mm-hmm. have already put on my calendar that I am revisiting her in December. Her due date's like mid-December. Uh-huh. Giving her until, because we can't do the children for two weeks anyway. Well, gotcha. different because she's got the rider. But I yeah. put a note already to go revisit her in December after the child is born. We're going to change the beneficiary information. Um, but yeah, a rider then, you pay one premium. It's one price with our company. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it covers all your children. We're talking mm-hmm. about natural born children. We're mm-hmm. talking about adopted children. And we're mm-hmm. talking about legal children, meaning stepchildren, legal, legal guardianship children, whatever. As long mm-hmm. as you have some type of legal capacity of these children, Mm-hmm. control of these children they can go under your children's insurance rider so you pay one price for the rider mm-hmm. and our policy is gives each child fifteen thousand dollars of coverage gotcha and that covers them until what age uh it covers them so up to age 21 well it covers them up to age 25 okay. but between ages 21 and 25 we have an option that you convert it to a permanent policy for that child gotcha Gotcha. So now if they've developed a health issue or developed, you know, any issue in between that time, mm-hmm. we're not going to charge them for it and we're not going to decline them for it. Okay. So say now they develop, you know, Hodgkin's, which is a, is a common cancer for young people. Mm-hmm. Say they have developed Hodgkin's um, disease during those early 20s. We can mm-hmm. still convert over that life insurance from the rider into a permanent whole life policy for them mm-hmm. with no medical questions. Gotcha. Because it's 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 seen from our company as a continuation of the insurance you already had under the parent, which means we were already insuring you, even if you had the Hodgkins then, we were insuring you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to extend you that same coverage into your own policy under your own name. Okay. So you see that right there. Now that's a good thing because that really benefits, I think, a lot of people because I've heard, like I said, because I've told people about riders and to check, you know, with the insurance company that they were with to see if it was possible because I hear so many of them say, well, I can't afford a policy on all my children. So there's a lot of people out there that don't, they don't even know that that's a possibility that riders exist and you know that that could cover all the children that they have and so i mean that right there is a great help you know i had this whole list of things in my head that we were going to chat about on this particular um interview which of course that means that we're just going to have to have another one you know so you're going to have to come for another one but what i want you to do is i want them to let i want you to let them know how they can reach you uh, if you got a website, what is your website? Because I really want our people to get with our sisters and stuff, our, our sisters and brothers who are out here in the community who have this knowledge and stuff, get with them so that we don't, we don't see you on GoFundMe. We don't see you in a bad way when, thing, when things happen, you know? So we've got the people out here, let's use them. So tell them, uh, you know, where they can, you know, how they can go about reaching you. So um, I am, like I said, an American Family Insurance agent. So for insurance, uh, my office is actually located in McDonough, Georgia. It's 1123 McDonough Parkway, McDonough, Georgia, 30253. Um, I'm on the corner of, I'm in a shopping center on the corner of Jonesboro Road and McDonough Parkway. You can call my office at 770 284 
2311. That's the office number, or you can call my cell phone at 404-452-6767. I have a company website, but honestly, I don't even, if you go to amfam.com and just put search, find an agent, you put in my name, K-Y-E Wilson. I'm the only Kai Wilson in the entire company, so it's going to find me. Um, I don't know what the website address is. People usually just go to the company's website. Either I'm the only agent as well in McDonough, Georgia. So if you say find an agent in McDonough, Georgia, it's going to bring you to me. If you put my name in, it's going to bring you to me. So either way, you're going to get to me. And um, my personal site, so I haven't even announced that yet, it's under construction. So <laughs> I will have, maybe by time I come back, the uh -huh. new business will be up and running. It is completely under construction yet um, now. And that is going to encompass lots of financial stuff because I, I do get a lot of calls. I get a lot of email. I, I do these posts. I get a lot of calls. Um, so that's good. And I help people all the time. I just do mm -hmm. a lot of one-on-ones. I've taught class. I haven't taught any classes this year, but mm -hmm. before this year, I was teaching a lot of classes just people would ask for me to do a personal class for their group or something. So that will be coming soon. It is under construction. I am going to say it is absolutely going to be up by November 1st. It will probably be up right. before then, but I will give myself some extra time and say by November 1st, it will be available to everybody. So then we're going to have to have you back on for that. And then we still have to get in the whole relationship talks thing. So oh we're going to have goodness. you, like you I said, that this went on fire this stuff. week. <laughs> How funny on my page and your page. We were on fire. <laughs> yes, I was like all these revelations, you know, but you, you know, we start to learn these things as we grow ourselves. A lot of things become evident. So things that we heard in the past that may have even sounded like, oh, they're on our side. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> No, you get you're to a certain like age, you get to a certain age and you're like, you know what? I think yeah, I got yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Like that is a crock of bull and we know it is. You don't right. want to admit it, but we know that it is, you know? Exactly. So yeah, so I can't wait to get to that topic too. So we have that one coming up. So we're going to have another one where that's where we, because the insurance got so good, you know, because like I said, People need to know about, this is an important thing. And especially when they talk about the number of single women leading households, it is very important that they know it, not only know it, but they know that there are different options available to them. Just like, like I said, with the rider. I mean, think about how many of those mothers did not get insurance for their children, not just hoping, wishing, praying that they don't die, but they're thinking because I can't afford all these different policies, but then ta-da, there's the rider. You know, right. and that can make life so much easier for them. Now, you know, some of us, of course, there's insurance on your jobs and stuff, but a job is not guaranteed. What happens if you no longer work there tomorrow? You know, and this whole pandemic, you know, it showed that that so many jobs that people, at were, you know, may have even thought were like indispensable, you know, or this business is doing well, so it's going to always be here. When, when, this pan, when the pandemic happened, those businesses closed down, some temporarily, some for good. You know, so a lot of lives got thrown, you know, in chaos. And that's why even with a job, I've always kept personal insurance as well. Absolutely. Because I know that none of that stuff is, you know, anything could happen. Absolutely. You know, so, if it, you know, so I would rather have that policy than to not have it, you know, to need and it's better to have and not need than to need and not have. Exactly. So, you know, hearing from people in the business 
who see these stories and have to listen to these. You know, I know sometimes people think, oh, well, they're not even sympathetic, but you've heard it so many times, you know, and, and, it, and it's, such, it, it's, it's such a, with social media out there, it's in your face all the time. I mean, if you even go into the GoFundMe website, the majority of things you see on there are people asking for help with burial expenses, uh, uh, medical expenses. And I mean, well, we live in America. Healthcare is not free. So, you, you know, we can kind of understand that part because it is, you know, it's an expensive thing. But when it comes to like life insurance, when it comes to uh, losing things and like you said, a fire and stuff, those are things that we can account for, we can plan for, we can make sure that we have policies in effect for those things. Uh, and this you know, month is Life Insurance Amer uh, Awareness Month in the United States. So you I don't know if everybody has seen increased commercials or advertising. It is like, uh, this is Life Insurance Awareness Month in September. So wow. hopefully people have seen more stuff. Um, and then let me, I wanted to say something too, because I hear what you say and I, I hear it from people all the time as far as what they can afford before I meet with the client and anybody who wants to call me, you know, this week, next week, whatever, I always tell people, tell me what you can afford. Tell, mm -hmm. tell me what you would like to have, what coverage you would like to have and what your budget is. I am never going to sell anybody something outside their budget ever. Yeah. It, it doesn't benefit. I, I mean, I do make commission, but it does not benefit me. It does not yeah. benefit me to get a commission for you to still not have what you can afford and it lapses because exactly. the lapse doesn't benefit me. The lapse don't benefit your family or you. So That's I always right. tell people, tell me what you think you want, what you think you need as far as coverage and tell me what mm -hmm. the budget is. I can find mm -hmm. something in the budget. And if it's not everything you need it or want it, there's mm -hmm. a process. I have, mm -hmm. I, I, there's seven life insurance policies in this household. None of mm -hmm. them were bought all at the same time. There were exactly. seven different purchases made over a, well, the last one I bought was probably eight. Well, how old is Sila now? About to be 10. So the last one I bought was 10 years ago. So I have mm -hmm. seven policies in the household that were purchased over a 10 year period. I did not buy all 10 policy or seven policies in the year or at exactly. one appointment. So it is exactly. a thing that you want to work up your way. You maybe mm -hmm. you got five children, you want all five, start with the rider. Next year, mm -hmm. the goal is we add one child at get a permanent policy for that one child. Maybe next mm -hmm. year we do another child. You, mm -hmm. You're not buying them all at one time. I'm not going to give you a bill for a thousand dollars and say, okay, this covers everybody. No, that's not what we do. That's not what I did. I couldn't afford it. Not work in the industry. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a portfolio. You build up your portfolio. So I, mm -hmm. I don't like people to be freaked out because they think it's going to be so expensive. Mm -hmm. Maybe what you think you want to end up with will be very expensive, mm -hmm. but we're going to gradually get to that point because if exactly. you start with something small, you get used to that payment, mm -hmm. then maybe you get even get a better job, you start a second business or whatever, your income increases, you get another one. You exactly. get used to that payment, then you get mm -hmm. another one. You know, and there's no set schedule. It's not like you had to do it every six months. You can have as many life insurance policies as you want with as many companies as you want. You can do two with me, two with State Farm, one with this other company. There's no limit. So mm -hmm. you build up your portfolio. Mm -hmm. That takes time. It's that's not a one-stop right? shop. 
you don't start saving with $10,000 most of the time. You start with a small number and the more motivated you become seeing your money accumulate, you add more, you add more, you add more. Same with investing. You know, you don't throw all your ducks out there at one time. You know, well, most people don't, you know, who know what they're doing. You know, you start here and then you gradually work your way up and you start to diversify and you learn new things and yeah, so I, I completely get you on that. So one more time, let them know the company you work for and how they can contact you. So I work for American Family Insurance. Uh, my office is in McDonough, Georgia, but I am licensed in the entire state of Georgia. So insurance licenses go for the entire state. So it doesn't matter where you live inside Georgia, I'm able to help you. If you're in another state, I have access to some products in other states, but if I can't write you in whatever state for whatever reason, I am happy I consult people all over the country. I'm from Illinois. I do a lot of consultations in Illinois, a lot. That's my hometown. And then I have a lot of friends in, in Illinois. I just send them to my friend to have her write the policy. So um, you can reach me and my office number is 770-284-2311. If you wanna reach me by my cell phone, it is 404-452-6767. If you want to find me online, I can give you my email address. It's K-W-I-L-S-O, the number two, at amfam.com. So K-Wilso2, no N, replace the N with the number two, at amfam.com. So that's the email. All right. Hey, it's been good. It's been so good having you here. And like I said, I'm excited for the next ones that are coming up. I just want to thank you so much for being here with me. I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen. Be sure that y'all listen, subscribe, rate, and review Codename Sister Podcast. This is your host, Nandi, with my guest, Kai Wilson. Thanks for being here.